Welcome back to God's Brand. This is going to be a long one, you guys. Um, we're going to be recording until the fucking phone dies. So um, get comfy. We got a couple things up on the task board for today. Um, this is another 18 plus, so don't fuck around. Um, if you're a little minor out here, you better go find yourself a good um, Pootie Pie channel. Because this is not for you. This is for the grown folks. This is for grown man shit right here, so don't fuck around if you understand what it is. I wish I had a place I could set you guys up on where y'all could hear me with some good quality. Literally, I have you guys balancing on the backside of my chair. I'm from the streets, if y'all don't understand. We ain't got no Rolls Royces fucking coming down the block. You lucky if you see a goddamn Lincoln. That don't mean I don't know what money is. I don't live the life of a motherfucker who knows what money is because I don't give a fuck about the money. I hope y'all don't either. Because money ain't going to get solve your problems. Money's only going to show you where you got to fix them. So I hope you guys enjoyed the last little one I put out. It was a car ride venture. Another power trips episode. It just posted on Spotify. I just got the notification. So it's out on Spotify if y'all are wondering where y'all can find it next. Uh, that's what it is. But... You know, once I get my 100-point mark, I'm going to suffer and sit through and listen to all these videos and then criticize them and give y'all um, content on YouTube about it. So these are all going to get reposted. Um, so I want to read some of these old poems that I was going to make videos for, but I don't think they're ever going to see the light of day. So we may read one or two of these before we get into the book we're reading. Because um, we're also going to read a book today, so if y'all don't like me reading, then this is not the episode for you guys. Um, and this isn't going to be all of it, so if you're like, fuck, why is he always reading shit? I just want to fucking chill out and hear him bullshit. Well... That's what men, that's what pandemic minds is, so So the word of the day for this episode well for this poem that I wrote was drugs. <laughs> Meds fill our shelves and our doctors order it to come from the pockets. No, sorry. Man, I I'm not sorry, man. Y'all just need to deal with me fucking sucking through this shit to get better. Um, that's all there is. If y'all don't fucking lug it, then lug yourself. Because I don't fucking lug that shit. So, meds fill our shelves and doctors orders... And doctors order it must come from our pockets. When the meds aren't pills, the public thinks queer. This is a distortion of the main way. Healing with herbs has faded. But the 
but they must work under these obligations to provide for their families. The meds aren't provided by our owners, so we must lose our time suffering for them. Working for troubles not caused by us has injected issues that were volunteered to us. Time worked on the children forming a domestic law no longer than the planet's nation that has nurtured our life. Today we find change in every dollar machines, but lack the two cents to manifest away from it. From paper bills to dollar thrills, the time is counted to fight the dirty med a heel. I feel like in that poem, I'm just going to give you like little bits and pieces of shit and then we'll move on. But I feel like that poem touches on some very um, undervalued um, issues that plague this nation. I mean, the biggest thing I pull from it, from that poem, is the fact that, you know, we just, there's a lot of ways to heal ourselves with herbs. And there's a lot of medicine that are put into pills that are nothing but some herb um and you know you can even look at like for against poisons you know how the only cure to you know a rat i mean a rat um you know a snake bite is their venom itself so it's like um if you're gonna try to find a cure you just gotta anti-work it from the thing that hurt it's you this in the beginning of things so you know that that poem just kind of I feel like really talks about what it means for you know somebody working a nine to five job to have to pay for issues that should be provided for them, considering that they they are owned from their employers and that you know if if you're gonna work a nine to five and they're gonna give you benefits, then those benefits should cover what you need. And if they're not covering it, then there's an issue there. Um, Because why else are you working there? You're only working there so they cover your needs to begin with. So it's kind of a flawed system we're in. Um, And that's just kind of what that poem represents is that, you know, when you work a nine to five and you have your benefits, that they're only going to cover, your benefits are only going to cover what they know you don't need. Um, And what you do need, they don't really care if it's fixed or not because, they're not going to argue with their insurance companies and I'm not going to fight the insurance companies because uh, that may be a war over my shoulders. So, you know, we'll fight with what we can control. You know, I can't I can't fight a mega trillion dollar industry um, single handedly. If that's ever to happen, I need one or two of them on my own side. So, you know, with that being said, we just have to leave it where it's at that. It's not going to get fixed today, um, probably not tomorrow. It may be a, a long journey there. And, um, you know, I'm just not willing to put my focus on that since uh, right now, you know, we're trying to worry about 
the businesses that we're going to bring up, the merchandise that we're going to get to you guys, the the ways where we can fund certain campaigns maybe for change that are talked about in these poems. Maybe we can make some change, but um, we need campaign funds. So, uh, And that's not even where I'm at. I'm not even, like I started the whole episode, I don't give a fuck about money, man. Uh, the, the funds needed for this shit only get brought into conversation whenever there's issues to work on. If not, then there's no problem for not... There's no problem by saying we don't need the money. Because, you know, those those issues plague our nation, but I'm aware to them. They're, they won't affect me as long as I can be aware to them. So um, if there's any advice I can give you from that poem is just be aware of what you can. Then you can find ways to not be affected by it. All right. So let's do a second poem here. The word of the day for this poem was damp. And it was titled Peace in the Valley. Peace falls like the dew of the chilly morning. With the fog rolling, it blessed the plants of tomorrow's light. In the blast of air, the dew takes flight. The day is greeted in a bright, shiny sun. Melting the peace with annoying burns. The question that comes can turn any man into a mad hatter or worse. The heat of its contents shadow the core, leaving only the bias you have created for it. Not the one that has broken its peace, but the few that have manifested misery. As the last of the fog fades, we see the core of the heated disruption. It was the fears of nothing but a real question that is there. Anything. With the question that leads to circles, we must accept the few and pray that the missing fails and pieces shall fall. Wow, that was a good poem. Um... Wow, I'm kind of breathless after that one. Um, I really enjoyed how that one rolled. It stayed stayed focused on the dew, but it never started with the dew, which was very interesting. It started with the fog. Um, you know, I just... If there's any advice I can give you for that one is... Find meanings that mean multiple things and they fit well together. Um... And there's really not much more I can give you. It's just, I just got the skill. and You know, I fuck with it. If y'all don't fuck with it, fuck you. Because I don't fuck with you. Big Sean. Anyways, got to get my quotes. You know, I love my rappers. Last episode was Tupac. This one's Big Sean. The Detroit motherfucking love out to the city out there. If y'all in Detroit... Man, show my love. I was just out there for y'all just not too long ago. I'll be up there soon, too, man.
Sorry about this, y'all. I'm fucking rolling my blunt up, so sorry for the quiet patience. Um, this episode is really just, you know, going through some of my old stuff, but most importantly, just trying to let you guys know, like, I'm trying to fight to get my sobriety. I want to make it something fun for myself. I want you guys to know that when I go sober, I'm not doing it because I have to. I'm doing it because I think it'll be a fun lifestyle for myself. Um, you know, I'm not going to tell you that being sober is going to be fun for you. But if you can't find a way to make it fun, you're never going to do it. Um, that's just the truth of the matter. I mean, if you can't find happiness in what you do, you're not going to do it. That's just what it is at the end of the fucking day. And a lot of people don't understand the concepts of who's what and where's where. And it's, I think it's this the root of it all is the fact that there is no answer to those questions. Those questions are only dormanted until we can set a location to what we're doing. And without that location, there's, there's no focus. And without your focus, you're just cascading. Um, whether good or bad, it's, you're just cascading. So with that being said, I'm going to cut this episode a little short. I know we said it'd be longer, but I'm going to put a third one up. And we're going to make a whole new segment. I told you, every episode we're changing and growing. There hasn't been a lot of changing going on the last couple of episodes, but there has been a lot of growing. Um, so the next change y'all see is book club. So dig it or not, we're going to have it up for you. God bless you. God bless your families. Hope you're being safe throughout COVID. This is a little short, like I said, um, but we're going to call it there. Man, I don't understand how y'all be paying to watch that shit. The fuck you gotta hear? People popping bubbles. Welcome to, for the very first time, the Grown Man Book Club. This is only some grown man shit. This ain't for females. So y'all bitches out here over here trying to say, I love your book club. Get the fuck out of here, y'all. This is for the men. So men out here, don't feel like you some... Don't let no no fucking nigga out here tell you you a bitch for listening to the book club. You a bitch because the first book we reading is the narrative of the life of Frederick Douglass, an American slave. Y'all don't understand who he is. Y'all don't know who this man is. Man, y'all must have not been in American history class because they just keep talking about him in history. 
Because he was a real motherfucker. Real motherfucker. And guess what? I don't know. I don't know about this man. I don't know. And that's why we're going to read about him. Together. Y'all get to hear my thoughts. I hope I get to hear some of y'all's. So I'll give you guys the quote on the back before we begin reading. The quote on the back of the book from him is, You have seen how a man was made a slave. You shall see how a slave was made a man. Very professional picture of him on here too. Very professional. Gotta give the little kitty cat cat pappers some love. He's a good cat, y'all. He's just a little bitcher, man. You know, he likes bitching a lot. Just like... Just like me esposa. Okay. Y'all hear that? So, our table of contents. Our first chapter is Narrative of the Life of Frederick Douglass, American Slave. That's the name of the first chapter. Second chapter is the selected essays in his speeches. Third is endnotes. The fourth is based on the book. And the last one is future readings. So, it kind of goes through a timeline seems like for a good little bit and then we get into the actual meat of it all so i'm not going to read this book like a normal person would where they're going to read you front to back and then let you give your opinions for yourself I'm going to try to speak your opinions while we go, which is not going to be easy. So, 1818. No, that was not when he was born. That's when he approximated his birth. Let's not forget where we came from, y'all. We came from fucking slavery. So, you didn't know your birthday. You don't even know your name. So, remember this. He didn't even know his birthday or his name. He had to give it to himself. So 1818 is his approximately birth mark, and he was born in Maryland. So we fast forward another seven years, um, and Douglas is now a young child, and his mother passes away. Um... Which, it wasn't too hard for him because, you know, he rarely was able to see her anyway. So, um, can't be easy for a young kid, especially a young slave. So, the next year comes along, 1826. Douglas, his owner...
his owner Sophia Aura Abdullah, I don't know, began to teach him how to read, and the lessons abruptly stopped because her husband, who felt like literacy made black people unfit for slavery. Oh my God! Can you guys just in in the first three lines of this book? Can you guys hear the tyranny? I mean, you can even hear my cat in the background. Sorry, I had to calm the cat down. Alright, we're gonna just read, 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 and I'm done giving y'all comments. So, I mean, like I said, I just feel like the first three lines really illustrates the pain that was diminished to African Americans during these years. And, you know, we're reading this book to. I couldn't think of a better person to start our book club off with than somebody who went through so much pain. Um, a lot of people don't understand that kind of pain. Um, and we call those people golden spoon babies, so. I don't know nothing about nothing, y'all. But I know how to read, so I'm gonna give it to you. So David Walker's appears, appeals to forceful criticism of American slaves was published by a free black author. So Douglas's apprentices, oh, sorry. He, Douglas appears on the Biltmore docks to learn the trade of caulking ships, taking advantage of the urban environment he began to plan to escape. Literate slave preacher Nate Turner leads slaves in a rebellion in Sangham country, Virginia, promoting the Virginia legislator to debate whether to end slavery in the state. Douglas is sent to spend one year with slave breaker Edward Convey. The escape plan of Douglas and four other slaves is revealed before they can implement. Douglas had used his ability to read and write to forge paths for his companions. In Biltmore, Douglas meets Annie Moore, a free black woman who would later become his wife. So this is in 1837 is when he finds his wife. So the next year in 1838... Perhaps with assistance from his future wife, who may have helped with forged papers and disguises, he escapes from slavery and runs away to the free state of New York. In freedom, his names, and in freedom, he names himself anew 
And from this point on, he will be known in history as Frederick Douglass. So following year in 1839, Douglass begins to attend anti-slavery meetings with Liberator Libertarian editor William Lloyd Grayson. Garson? I'm sorry, you guys. I'm terrible with names. Just bear with me, please. Who began to urge Douglas to use his gift of language to speak publicly against slavery. In 1841, Douglas speaks publicly for the first time against slavery at his anti-slavery convention in Nantucket, Massachusetts. Douglas meets fellow former slave abolitionist Subjure Truth at the Nantucket Association of Education and Industry, a utopian community of Northampton, Massachusetts. I don't know about you guys, but anytime I see the word utopian, I get a little scared. So we'll see what happens. So a narrative of the life of Frederick Douglass, an American slave, is published because... not politicians, sorry, publication of his life story makes Douglas fugitive status public. He and his wife moved to England where he continues to lecture against slavery. British abolitionists raise funds to pay Douglas's former owner, making Douglas legally free. Douglas and his wife returned to the United States. Douglas establishes the North Star, an anti-slavery newspaper. Douglas attends the first women's suffrage convention in Seneca Falls and supports the decoration of amendments, demands for women's suffrage. So if you guys don't know what that is, it's basically the, the whole beginning of the women's rights movement. So that's a very big um, convention he attends. The Compromise of 1850 authorizes a strict fugitive state law. Douglas ends his alliance with William Lloyd Garrison because of a disagreement over anti-slavery philosophy. Douglas delivers his oration... What to the slave is the 4th of July in Roxier, New York. He delivers his masterful critique of slavery using political, economic, cultural, religious examples of the hypocrisy of celebrating independence. The heroic slave Douglas' only known work of fiction is published. So from... he, He makes friends with... William Lloyd Garrison in 1859 and it's not until 1851 that he argues his case against him um 
which I don't know much about um, William Lloyd, but I know he is um, a very strong figure during this time as well. So um, that was a big, there's a lot more to that feud between the two than um, is being put on paper right now. I can tell you that at least. So in 1853 is when he published the Herodic, Herodic Slave, which is kind of interesting because it's the only one that is known to um, be a fiction. So that's interesting. So in 1855, my my bondage and my freedom, an update of the version is published. This edition includes Douglas's scratching letter to his old master. This, in 1857, the Supreme Court rules that the slave Dred Scott is not a citizen and does not have standing to sue for his freedom based on his residency in free territory. The court states that the found, founding fathers had never intended the rights and privileges set forth in the Constitution that applied to African Americans or their descendants. And that's at 1857. So for two years, he goes quiet. In 1859, Douglas begins publishing Douglas's monthly. A year later, in 1860, Douglas's daughter, Annie, dies, and he announces his support for Republican Party presidential candidate Abraham Lincoln. So Douglas went through some trauma in that year. 1860 was a big year for the guy. Um... And when we get into the narrative, I want to really focus on this year, 1860. Very important year for the book club we're in. So, 1861, following the Civil War. Well, no, 1861, when this, after following the Civil War beginning, um, Douglas actually becomes one of the adversaries for President Lincoln. And then in 1863, after the Emancipation Proclamation is instituted, it authorized a formal, or for, or sorry, it authorized the formation of free black union regiments. And Douglas becomes a recruiter for the Massachusetts 54th Colored Infantry in two of his sons served. Which two of his sons served? I wonder how many children he had. Um, I don't know. So in 1865, Douglas joins the battle for black suffrage rights. And then on December 6th, on 1865, the, the 13th Amendment is ratified. And then three years after, in, 1880, in 1868, the 14th Amendment is ratified. And that is on July 9th. And then in 1870, on February 3rd, the 15th Amendment is ratified. So he was definitely involved in all of these amendments getting ratified, especially with his cohoots with Lincoln. So I think it really shows the handout that Lincoln put and also the hand in that Douglas played. Um, so... Following the 15th Amendment, um, Douglas also becomes the editor of the New National Era newspaper. Following in 1874, 
Douglas is appointed president of the Freeman Savings and Trust Company, a bank providing financial services to free slaves. I think that's huge. Um, that gave him the authority over the fundings to all the free slaves, which is interesting after him being in cahoots with Lincoln, what the draw connection was there. Um, we, we may never know. So in 1876, Douglas de- delivers an oration in honor of the installation of the Freeman's Movement Monument in Washington, D.C. His addressing those assembled as fellow citizens underscores the success of the long struggle of slavery for freedom. Oh, that was a long tonguer. Um, so in 1876, he gets a monument built. Next year, 1877, President Rothbard B. Haynes appoints Douglas U.S. Marshal of the District of Columbia. Wow. So he is the Marshal of D.C., which is huge. If you guys don't know, the District of Columbia is where Washington, D.C. is, because D.C. actually isn't... um, The it's not a state. Um, the White House is not in a state. It's in the District of Columbia, and that's where he was a U.S. Marshal, which is huge. Um, so in 1861, finally out of the the uh, 1870s, um, President James A. Garfield appoints Douglas the recorder of deeds for the District of Columbia. And Douglas publishes Life of Times of Frederick Douglass, written by himself, the last of his three autobiographies. So it seems like 1881, he was kind of already making closed ends for everything he's done. He was done speaking for himself, ready to um, close out, in my opinion. And then in 1882, he closes out with his wife's death. Very tragic. Two years following his wife's death, he remarries his secretary, um, Helen Pitts, a white woman who had been active in the women's right movement. In 1889, President Benjamin Harris pro- appoints Douglas the U.S. Minister of Residence and, co- and Council General to Haiti. Um, he had a lot of ties in weird places, so you know, let's see what, what we can find out about it. Um, in 1892, he publishes the reversion of the life and times of Frederick Douglass, written by himself. So he's, you know, constantly revising, which shows good character. Um, in 1892, he publishes an anti-lynching pamphlet and the lessons of the hour. And lastly, on 1895, on February 20th, he passes away. Five years off of hitting the whole nine zero nine zero doesn't make it does not make it so this book takes place in eighteen forty five um and even dates all the way back to you know the nineteen thirties when his story really begins 
um, and can be dated all the way back to 1818. So, you know, it's over a very long span of years from, you know, losing his mother to becoming the freaking U.S. Marshal of D.C. I mean, that's huge. So that there's a big gap here between time, and we want to be able to fill this in casually. Um, and we don't want it to be this long two, three-hour session where you have to sit through it all. So this was going over the timeline. Um, we'll go through the introduction in the next episode. But for that, with that being said, this is the ending of the first segment of Grown Man Book Club. Appreciate y'all.